All right. I want to share with you this morning um, really what God has put in my heart a while, a while ago already. But I want to share with you, yesterday as I was just sitting, moping about the rugby, obviously, <laughs> on my island of self-pity, you know, um, I, I, when I was preparing or just finishing off my sermon yesterday, um, I had this incredible vision um, as I was sitting on the bed, and, and it felt like, and I need to explain this to you, because it felt like I was, I was stuck under the bottom of an aeroplane, if you guys can picture what I'm saying. And for those of you that have flown and have been in aeroplanes, you know, it's great when you're flying so high and you see these little cities, you know, you see the little clusters and little towns all the way along the route, you know. And um, as I was just sitting, sitting there thinking, I felt myself almost like I was, I was taped to the bottom of, of the Spirit of God in like a plane. And we were just flying over. All, all I saw was all these little cities from, you've got to understand, I feel like I'm this and I'm just seeing all these little cities, all these little cities flying over these cities. And in a sense, we were doing this through the air, going from city to city. And, um, and I remember in that moment, thinking to myself, and I don't know what it was, but I felt like I said, I'd look at myself and say, look for the red dot, look for the red dot, look for the red dot. Um, and then I just, you know, I just continued and I sat with God and said, you know, God, what is it that, what is you trying to show me? Um, and immediately God took me um, to that scripture in, in Chronicles 16, and this is not part of my sermon, but probably will become part of my sermon, yeah? Um, Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, and it says this, um, and it says, For the eye of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal towards him. Now, now, now just, just wait, just listen to that. Just listen to that this morning. The word of God said that the Spirit of God goes to and fro over the entire earth looking for those, or um, how would I put it, um, did she show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal towards him? And I just felt that even that minute, I felt like God was just saying to me, you know, this, this is the spirit of the God is still traveling all over the world. And the red dot that he was speaking about, uh, is the fact that God was saying, I'm looking for places of revival. I'm looking for places that are hungry for my presence. I'm looking for churches. I'm looking for households. I'm looking for companies that are desperate to see my glory in these last days. And I just, as was, and I saw myself again flying over the city. I, there was no red dots that were coming up now. God, what are you saying to us right now? You know, because I believe with all my heart that God wants to bring a revival. I believe with all my heart that God wants to take his church from one place to the next. I believe with all my heart that there's a move of God that is coming that we've never seen in our lives before. But God had to remind me yesterday in the midst of all of this that he's going <coughs> through the to and fro looking for those that hearts are loyal towards him. And not just individuals, but I believe people that are, that churches that are loyal towards him. People that are prepared to give God a chance in their churches. People that are prepared to see God's hand move in the church. Now I want to encourage us this morning. Because so often we can do stuff for the sake of doing it. So often we can attend church without an expectation. Or we can attend a life group without an expectation. Or we can get to worship without an expectation. But when you come into the presence of God, there always needs to be an expectation on our place of meeting. There always needs to be expectations. Why do we do the things that we do? 
Because if you think about it, the word of God says that, we, we, you know, where two or three of us are. Where two or three of us are. Now think about this. The word says that the presence of God, the very nature of God, dwells amongst us. It's not out of reach to you. It's here for you. It's like I'm just passing a tray of, of biscuits around. Example, bad example, but example. If I'm passing a tray of biscuits around, is you cho- your choice whether you partake or not? Is your choice whether you take a biscuit or you don't take a biscuit? And often when our hearts and we come into church hungry for the things of God, we will participate in the things of God. When we want to see God move, here you guys are quiet this morning. Don't be so depressed. There's only one game. One game. And Australia lost. That's a bonus. But just think about what I'm saying to you this morning. Because sometimes I think that we forget about how good God is in our lives. And how important it is. And how important it is for us to want to cry out to Him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with me. I don't want to be in a relationship where the other person doesn't make any effort. I don't want to be in a relationship where, you know, all I say is hi and bye in the mornings and you take away at night kind of a thing. And, and we're never there for each other. We're never there as friends. We're never there as family. We're never there as loved ones. And, um, and so I went to, to Exodus. And uh, this is still not part of my sermon, but it's part of my sermon, all right? So I went to Exodus, <laughs> so I went to Exodus um, chapter 33. And in Exodus 33, um, God is speaking to Moses and he's saying to Moses, listen here, Moses. This is what's going to happen. You know, you need to take these folk now. You've been in the desert for nearly 40 years kind of a thing. And it's time now to cross over into the promises that I have for you. And God just says straight away, he turns around and he says to him, he says to Moses, just so you know, I'm not going with you. I will send an angel with you. And in the next breath he says, because you're a stiff-necked people. Now, now you've got to understand, you've got to get the picture, he has 3 million people stuck in the desert for 40 years. They're going to be a little bit irritable. I mean, we can't even go four hours of load shedding. Imagine being in the desert for 40 years. Or living in the rain for 40 years. You know, so... <laughs> so God says to Moses, I've been with you all this time. And we read the word of God says that, that the tabernacle of God was there in the camp. And, and we had Joshua that would just sit there in the presence of God day in and day out. And Moses would come in and out. And you go read this chapter, most amazing chapter. Every time that Moses would enter the tent, the presence of God would fill the place. And the, all the people in the, in, the, in the community would stand up. Why? Because now there's a real concern. There's a real concern amongst them is that God had been with us for 40 years and it's still been a struggle. What is it going to be like if he doesn't go with us? Are we prepared to take that chance? And so we see the people, the word of God says, take off your jewelry, take off your ornaments, take off the things and just wait upon me. And we know that Moses in 33 verse 12 or so goes up into the mountain and he meets with God. And let me just read it for you quickly. Verse 12, 33, 12. And it goes like this. And then Moses said to the Lord, see you, see, see you say to me, bring me up for these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have found favor in, uh, grace in my sight. 
Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, this is Moses speaking to God, show me now your way, that I may know, that, uh, may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider this nation is, considering that this nation is your people. And he said to him, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So, so, so we shall be separate, your people are from the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do a thing, this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to you, says the Lord, whom I will be gracious, and I will be compassionate on whom I will be compassionate. And he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. So Moses has got this thing where he goes to God, and he says to God, there's this, there's this thing, God, that you need to understand about me, and it's this, that I'm prepared to die right here. And if it means that I have to die here to break or go against what you're saying to me, then I'll die here, in a sense. Because you know what? I cannot imagine life without you. I cannot imagine this life and this journey without you. I cannot imagine what it's going to be like to travel into the promised land and you're not with me. And he says to God, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. And I was thinking about this today, yesterday. Thank you very much for what, what God has been speaking about to us. And I wonder how many of us in our hearts today really, really come to a place where, God, if you do not go with us, if you're not in it, if you're not part of what we're doing, then we're wasting our time. This week I was walking around the farm and um, just incredible to see the amount of water and water running into the dam and everything. And, and I just walked around for a minute and there were two things that I realized. The first thing I realized was this, that I'll probably die before this come is finished. Because I think it's going to be another 30 years of building and building and building and building and building, you know? I think it's just what God's going to do in our lives. But I realized the second thing, that to move from here to there without His presence means nothing. To move from here to there without people that are not committed to the church, but to people that are sold out to Him, people that are sold out for Him, people that our lives are about Him, is a big thing. And I almost felt almost like that arrogance yesterday and saying, God, you know what, if, if you don't go with us, you know, we're not going to go to Thyscombe. But then also I had to remember that the Word of God says that the righteous man's footsteps are ordained by the Lord. They, they are counted by the Lord. And the Lord says, wherever we go, and he said, Joshua, wherever you put your feet, I will give you that land. And so it's often not a thing of, of, of just being comfortable in the move, but sometimes it's a thing of taking ground. And, and this is where I feel we are right now. Church, it's not a thing that we are moving from one building to another building. We've got to get this, that this is a season of taking ground. This is a season of planting a church where there has never been a church before. This is planting in a neighborhood they never had a church. I mean, if you live in the area and you look in the neighborhood, I mean, they're a grumpy bunch of people living up there, you know. <laughs> Record. Um, But think about it. Think about it. We're taking what God has put together here and we're taking it to a whole new community, a whole new neighborhood. 
to spread the love of God, to do what God has for us. And we've got to get to that place where, Father, I don't want to go if you do not go with me. Because there's got to be a breakthrough on this side. There's got to be a breakthrough on this side. It doesn't matter where we are, whether we're under a tree or in a building. You see, the building doesn't matter. It's not the move to another building that's exciting. It's the move to another area that's exciting. It's to go to barren ground that's exciting. It's to go into a place that hasn't been ministered before that's exciting. It's to go into a place where the Jesus hasn't been declared on that piece of land before. That's exciting. That is brown groundbreaking. That is what God wants to do in and through our lives. And so often we become so comfortable in where we are. We become so comfortable in this space. You know what happens? That we just start to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until there's nothing left. Now Matthew, Matthew comes up with a with an interesting story. And I'm gonna read to you Matthew 12, verse 43 and 45. And uh, I want you just to, to hear what God says here. Matthew 12, verse 43 to 45 says this. Listen, listen to it carefully. It's just two scriptures that, that's really been stirring my heart the last couple of weeks. Um, well, the last week and a bit. But it goes like this, and it says this. It says, so when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, or the other, some translations got an evil spirit, so it says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through a dry place, seeking rest and finding none. Okay, let me, let me go, let me, let me, yeah, let me, sorry, unclean spirit, he goes out and, uh, oh, where are we now, let me make sure, yeah. Okay, I've got it, 43, I'll read it again. He says, when unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through a dry place, seeks rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to the house from which I came. And when he came, he finds it empty and swept and in order. He says, and then he goes out and he takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that mind is the, the, the last state of that man is worse than the first. So, so he shall also be with the wicked generation. And so God is not speaking about the generation stuff that are happening. But you know, the word of God says that when we read that, is there's two words that I want to grab a hold of. And the one is, let me, let me just go one back in a sense of this, is that we often read that thing and we think it's demonic. We think it's about demons. All right? But the word actually says there, it speaks about an unclean spirit. It speaks about a spirit that is in opposition to Jesus. It's in opposition to the Holy Spirit. So he says, so there's a man, all right, that was possessed by an unclean spirit, a spirit that was in opposition to God. So they were possessed by the spirit of this world because that's what opposes Jesus. You know, Satan and his demons and the spirit of this world. So he says, so, so this guy gets cleaned. All right? And it's the, word, the word actually there means complete. So it means, so he's speaking about us believers. He says, there are people that are going to get saved. That's who he's speaking about. He's speaking about people that have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. He's speaking about people that have been restored. There's people that have been made whole. He says there's a season where we're walking, where we've got no more unclean spirits in us, where we're following the ways of the of God and not the ways of the world. Oh, we got that. He says, but then the spirit that leads, the spirit of the world, you know, goes around. You know, the word of, I love this. The word of God says the enemy goes around like a roaring lion. Now, what is like to say that thing, like the roaring lion? It doesn't mean he's a lion. He says, like, like. He could be a church mouse. He could be a little quaha. He could be a little, little Baltese poodle. The word like means simply this. The way he reacts is like a lion. But it does not mean that he's a lion. 
The word says, like a roaring lion. All right? And so we get to this place where the, 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 the spirit of this world comes to and fro. We all know. We have all been saved in this house for how long? Hey, and who here has not been tempted in the last 24 hours? Who has not made any bad decisions in the last week? Who has doubted God in the last week? Who has thought, you know what? Maybe it's better just to go back to the world. Maybe it's just better to go back there and just worship the world and just be in the world. But the Word of God says this crazy thing. You've got to get this, all right? And we keep missing out on this detail. So I'm going to read it to you again. It says, so when the unclean spirit goes out of this man, he goes through a dry place. The Word actually says a dry valley. Let's get cast out, he says, okay? He's seeking rest and he finds none. He says, then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he came, he finds it empty, swept, and in order. Now, now you've got to just focus on one word. It's that word empty. That word empty in the strongest concordance means at leisure, at holiday, on a break, taking it easy. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? You see, this, this, I want to give you a scenario before I go back there. I want to give you a scenario, all right, that we are the righteousness in God in Christ Jesus. And so I want to give you a scenario in South African, South African um, way of understanding. You've got to consider yourself as this house. All right, so you're this house. You know, the Word of God says you're the temple of God, and you're the house of God. All right, and around your house, there's this incredible big fence, an electrical fence called righteousness. To be in right standing with God. All right, now you can understand that that fence, that electric fence of righteousness that is around your house is constantly bombarded by the things of the world, by the demonic, by Satan, by people around you. I mean, every single day you're being bombarded with temptations. You're being bombarded, bombarded with things of this world. You are being bombarded with TV and news and adverts and all these kinds of things. Now you can understand that when you're in right standing with God, what happens is the, the electric fence repels the attack of the enemy over your life. But the problem is that often we take this break. Now we don't understand that, that this electrical fence all right, of righteousness that is around our house is powered by four things. It's powered by four batteries. It's powered by the Word of God. It's powered by your prayer life. Is powered with worship and is powered with fellowship. Those are the four things that keep you and I on the straight and narrow. Those are the four simple things that if you and I commit to them daily, it keeps the fence electrified. It keeps the enemy away from your door. So every day, what do we do? We go and we recharge our batteries. We recharge our worship. Battery. We recharge the Word as we open it and we read the Word of God. We charge it on Sundays and Wednesdays and Thursdays when we fellowship one to another. We charge those batteries when we spend time in prayer and seeking God. And as long as we keep our four batteries charged, what happens is this, is that the fence stays up. And the protection of God is around us. So when this, this unclean spirit that has left us comes back again and he finds our batteries fully charged and our electric fence 
of righteousness, working 100%. He cannot come near you. He cannot come over your fence. He, he cannot come through the gate. He cannot get to you. Why? Because you're in right standing with God. The problem is this, is that he speaks about when he comes back and he finds the people in charge of the house at leisure or on holiday or taking a break. So what happens, I'm not being religious in you this morning, but, but this is simple stuff. This is simple stuff that as believers, you actually, we should not even be speaking about the fact that we need to be in the word, prayer, worship, and fellowship. I mean, let's be honest. There's four simple things that take for, for a good living, that's all God calls us to. It's to spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, spend time in worship, spend time in fellowship. It's simple. But you've got to understand that, that when one battery is laying low, the whole electric fence is, 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 what's the right word? Is, is, there's a word for it. Compromise, thank you, John. The whole fence is compromised. And sometimes we do this. We do this in our church life. Well, well, we, we're not going to go to church today. It's raining. Hey? And the fellowship battery goes, mm. and next week we're like, oh, I'll go next week. I'll go next week. And the kids preaching this week, I'll give him a skip. Mm. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in this bad space. Why? Because we're not fellowshipping. That means that all of a sudden that little fence is drawing more current out of the prayer and the worship, the worship and, and the word. So what happens when that battery dies? Who knows when a battery dies in a pack? If one battery out of a pack is dead, nothing works. Why? Because the cycle, the circle is broken. The circle of energy is broken. But we do that. We do that constantly today. We constantly want to take a break. We constantly want to take a, a holiday from the things of God. We want to take a break from the Word of God. You know, we just become, and what happens? The enemy comes. The Word of God says, whether you like it or not, that when you've cast him out, let me tell you something, your BC demons come back. I'll tell you, that glass of whiskey is the worst tasting stuff in the world, but sure, you lust for it. Hey? All of a sudden, now, you know, I need a cigarette right now. My nerves are shot today, you know. Well, he knows. Do you think the enemy doesn't know where your weaknesses are? Do you think that he doesn't know what you were saved from? Do you think that he doesn't know what you were saved into? And I might be sounding a bit hectic this morning, but let me tell you something. I am so tired of Christians living in defeat. I'm so tired of hearing how horrible God is to you people and the tough things that you are going through and how God is not there for you and how God is silent, how God is punishing you when in fact you're the one that has not charged your battery. We've got simple principles that we believe. We believe in fellowship. The Word of God says, let out the fellowship of the saints. How is it possible that one out of seven days is difficult to come to no, 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 no. I'll even make it worse. How is it that one and a half hours, one day out of seven, is difficult? Yeah. I want you to find your boss tomorrow and say, I don't feel like work tomorrow. Today, can, can I just have a break? No, it's raining. It's raining. <laughs> find your boss tell him it's raining. You know? And I, I might be flippant right now, but that's how funny it is. That we trust God for absolutely everything in our lives. 
that he has to be there for us, he has to be there for our wives and our spouses, he has to be there for our kids, he has to be there for our finances. You know, when we clap our hands, he's going to answer. When we say jump, God's going to jump out high. But we can't keep basic, basic things alive. We can't, we can't do the basic stuff. And I always compare it to work. Because let me tell you something, the only reason why you're employed there is because of God. And if you think that, oh, that's my source, my company pays me to be there. Let me tell you, no, let me tell you you're wrong. God pays you to be there as much as what he pays you to be on a Sunday. I speak to people that are battling financially. And you know what the first thing I know? I know they're not tithing. You know why? Because I can see the devourer in their finances. Malachi says, Malachi says that if you neglect the tithe, what happens? He says, if you bring your full tithe to the storehouse, I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Yeah. Let me tell you something. If the devourer is running all over your finances, it's because you're not tithing. I passed the cut, I can't afford to tithe. That's why you're not tithing. Simple philosophy, simple stuff that we need to get back to the basics in the Word of God. How many of us spend time in this? We, we preach God. We want to speak God. We're in our prayers. We, we, how many of you study the Word of God? Or how many is just a daily bread or the daily devotional is good enough? Hey? Do you really think that daily devotional is good enough? Do you really think that little bread of life is good enough? Do you want to get to know God? You need to spend time with Him. You see, we can't get to a place where only times we praise when we need. But then we forget to thank Him when He does bless us. How weird is that? And this might be hectic this morning, but I want to say to you, the Word of God says there's unclean evil spirits that are roaming around your house right now. Right now, some of you are thinking about Kentucky, and not about the sermon. Some of you right now thinking, what am I going to do this week about my finances? You're not even hearing the word right now. You know what's happening? He's right here robbing you of this very word. Some of you are offended by what I've said already. You're offended because I'm in the attendance. You're offended because I'm into finances. And you know why you're offended? Because he's sitting next to you. You see, these aren't things that I'm being horrible about. This is the principle that God, which the word of God is built upon. And it's not just the word of God, it's in everything. That if I do not spend time with my spouse, I will not get to know my spouse. If I not get to know my spouse, I will not want to know what she likes and what she doesn't like. You know, if we don't fellowship together, we're not going to get to know each other. Fellowship is a quintessential part of your Christian walk. The word of God is a quintessential part of your walk. Worship is a quintessential part. Oh, but I'm not a worshiper. You don't have to worship, just switch on the music. Just switch on the music. I promise you. You sound like Madonna in 10 minutes in worship. <laughs> you can't believe the beautiful voice that comes out when you worship with the radio. <laughs> How difficult is it? And I will share with you, I will share with you one of these days what's, what's been going on in my life over the last bit. But I made a statement a few weeks ago about something very simple and I said, How difficult can it be? And God challenged me on it. God really challenged me on it and I'll share with you sometime. Um, but again this morning, how difficult can this be? When you take all the problems that you have in the day, you've got all the problems you have in the week, all the problems you have with your spouses and your bank managers and your business, all this kind of stuff. These four things seem so basic. These things seem so basic. And why is it that you and I take a vacation all the time? 
Why is it that we think we can take a break from the Word of God and it's going to be okay? We can take a break from our prayer life and it's going to be okay. We can take a break from church or from worship and it's going to be okay. It's somewhere along the line we want this, this whole pass. You know, like, yo, Kurt, you don't have to worship now for a week. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Alma, you should be devastated you should not be able to worship. You should be devastated that you aren't able to get to the Word of God. And yet we find that 80% of people in church these days have got dust on their Bible more than anything else. Have you seen how out of sync the world is? The economy is completely out of sync. They're flooding in India and they're dying of heat in Europe. The whole world is out of sync. The world's a mess. The world's an absolute mess, whether you like it or not. And I'm going to say this to you, and it's not going to get any better. Like our load shedding. It's not getting better. It's a fact. And somewhere along the line that we think that we're just going to mosey through life and just be okay. Because most of you are just okay to be okay. And you know, if things are really bad in South Africa, then I'll just go to Britain. And if things are really bad in Britain, I'll go to Afghanistan. And if, we, we always got somewhere that we can go to. Somewhere where we don't have to deal with stuff. Let me tell you something. You're in the situation in right now, not because God's punishing you, it's because God wants you to deal with stuff. God wants you to power up your battery again. God wants you to get that fence of yours going again. God wants you to get into the Word, wants you to get into your prayer life, wants you to get into worship, wants to get you into fellowship more and more and more. Why? That you can power up the fence. That when the enemy does come, that you'll be able to stand. And having done all, stand. It's not that difficult. And we find the church losing ground all the time. You know why the church loses ground all the time? Because we don't know him and we don't know his word. You just look what's happening in the world and the arguments they've got out there at the moment. And the, and the different scenarios. I'm never going to go down that road. But the church has been pushed into a corner. The church has been pushed into a corner right now. And you know what the problem is? Is that you and I are going to have to give an account for our faith soon. Listen to me. Listen to me. The way the world's going right now, we'll be lucky at this church in the next 20 years. Listen to me. The, the world is at its best right now, closing down the house of God all over. I rode around, I had to go fetch something, was it last week? And um, I rode past four churches that have now become businesses. I'm telling myself, we actually did a funeral here. And I was like, how? How is it that where we should be advancing the kingdom, where we should be building the house of God and celebrating whether there's a, there's a church in every street corner, it doesn't matter. But somehow the very houses that were built with a vision and with a goal and with a purpose, they've been sold for businesses. And it's crazy to see this beautiful house of God just with signage all over the place, you know? Five Rand Special or whatever it is. And in the season we're in right now, our faith is going to be challenged. Our faith is going to be challenged by people that love us. Our faith is going to be challenged by our work colleagues. Our faith is going to be challenged by our family and our friends. Our kids are going to challenge us on our kingdom of faith. And you know why? The only reason why people challenge us on our faith? Because they don't see it working. Think about it. Yeah, if Stefan was walking around 
shallow and every person he touched was healed, do you think they'd be questioning him about his faith? No. They'll be following. They're questioning us because they're not seeing this truth that you and I are speaking about. They're not speaking about this abundant life that God has prepared for us. They're not speaking about the promises and the hope. They're not speaking about his righteousness. They're not speaking about the forgiveness of sins. They, they're not seeing it working in our lives. And they're not seeing it working in our lives. Why? Because we don't understand what family is. You know, we, we, we looked at, and I was, I'm, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm going to do that. I'm not. That's, that's the sermon for the 28th. I'm so close. I was nearly there. I nearly preached two sermons in one year this morning. But it's so important that we understand the basics. And I know this is a simple thing, but you know, there was Moses stuck with how many people on a mountain with God. And his only cry was, God, please, please don't let us go on our own. I think not just as a church, but I think as individuals sitting here this morning, surely there must be that cry in your heart that's, God, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I'm tired of battling. I'm tired of sickness. I'm tired of being financially broken. I'm tired of not walking in the blessings that you have for me. I'm tired of seeing my loved ones die around me. I'm, I'm, I'm devastated to see my kids involved in drugs and, and alcohol and all this kind of stuff. Please, Lord, don't let me live without you. And he turns around to God and he says, Look, if you don't go with me, I'm not going anyway. And I, and I thought about that scripture so profoundly this week. And I, and, I, and I needed to just get into my head that am I going with him or am I going without him? Because you know there are times where you can go without him. Well, often we go without him. Often we make decisions without him. Often we go to places without him. Often we go see people without him. We live a life without him. And Moses said, I'm not even taking that chance. I'm not even taking that chance. You see, a chapter before that, God was so angry with him, and God said, I'll send an angel with you. <laughs> Moses is like, no. No. Angel is great. Angel is nice. But I think we need the real thing. You see, you're not following man. You're following God. And I'm preaching this message today because I believe it will change your life. I really do. I really believe that we need to start living in the fullness that God has for us. I really believe the word of God says, Mark 6, he says, to those who believe, Mark 16, to those who believe, you will add to the sick and they will be well. You'll drink deadly poison and it will not affect you. Anybody be bitten up by snake lately and survived it? Anybody drinking poison? Survived it? Anybody lay hands on the sick? Did anyone get resurrected? Any wheelchairs emptied out? Any crutches dropped to the floor? No, nothing. And the only reason is because we don't believe. You see, if you and I are fully persuaded of our positioning with God, if you and I are fully persuaded that we are in Christ, and in Christ we're a new creation, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within me, that Jesus said the greater things were you do than I did. See, if we believe 
that we can do greater things than if we believe that we can touch the lives of the sick and they will be well? Do we believe that we can resurrect the dead? Do we believe that we can bless into those around us? Things start to change. But when you and I are in constant self-pity, grumpy, miserable mode, nothing happens. And I'm not being, not being horrible because I think we're all in that season. We're all in a, a difficult place right now. It's winter and it's been raining for, you know, five out of eight Sundays already and everything's wet and, you know, it's cold and it's dark in the morning. You're going to wake up and finances aren't that great and the interest rates going through the roof and petrol and we know we're not in a good space. We know we're going to find difficult times. We know that most of us can't afford medical aid. Most of us can't afford insurance. We know that. But I need to ask you a question. Are you, are you seriously okay with that? Is, do you believe that that, is that what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? Find other plans I have for you, declare the Lord. Plans for you not to have a medical aid, no pension. Plans to harm you. Plans to break your leg so I can teach you something. Is, or is Jeremiah 29, find other plans I have for you, declare the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. You see, we've got to get out of this thing that our blessings are financial. Our blessings aren't financial. Our blessings are the people and, and, and who we are around us. That's the blessing of God upon our lives. But I, I, am, I am tired of battling financially. I'm tired of battling with sickness. I'm tired of battling in my marriage. I'm tired of battling with my kids. Not just example, please. Just now you're invite, all inviting us up for counseling. Um, but, but I'm not satisfied with living this mediocre life. I'm not satisfied with the fact that I've been in ministry 23 years and I've seen no one get out of a wheelchair. I'm not satisfied with the fact that I'm hands and sick and nothing happens. I'm not satisfied that I just pray and, and money falls out of the sky that I can build these guns. I'm frustrated that I've got to work for it. I've got to beg for it. And I've got to do these things. Why? Because I don't believe that that's what God wants for me. I believe that God wants me to walk in the fullness that He asked me. Of course there'll be trials and tribulations. Of course we'll have the enemy and the evil spirits coming and banging at our fence. Those things are natural. But when I'm inside my house, what does the Word of God say? Hey, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen, when that evil spirit comes around to Kurt Sutton's little abode, that electric fence is sparking. It's sparking. Why? Because Kurt has been in the Word, and Kurt has been in prayer, and Kurt has been in worship, and Kurt has been in fellowship. Those batteries are fully charged. Fully charged. Or we just swing open the gate. And say, oh, well, what will be, will be. Sarah, Sarah. I will just keep battling. I will keep being single and miserable. I'll keep being this. I'll keep being that. I'll keep being whatever. Or do you want to change your life? Because I think some of us electric fence just needs a little boost. It needs a little charge. And unfortunately, I cannot charge Jason's battery and his fence for him. I can pray for him. I can't charge it. I can't charge it. When the enemy comes into your life and he finds you at leisure or the house empty or you taking a break, 
the Word of God says that he then leaves that thing and he goes finds seven more even more powerful spirits than him and he brings them back now you might think oh well you know powering down and getting lazy will result in of course you know this one evil spirit coming back or this unclean spirit now the word of God says there's eight of them well, seven of them. He says, he fetches and seven, finds seven more unclean spirits. So all of a thing that was something simple right now, you know, something that I just did now, sorry, Lord, it was sin. No, no, that thing invited seven more powerful things back in your life again. The problem is that whatever comes back into your life is not going to be unfamiliar. You see, whatever he brings back into your life will be familiar. Hear me here. That if you stop drinking, that familiar spirit will come back. That if you've given up something, it'll come back. That thought of adultery and pornography comes back. Why? Because you power it down. And somehow we think that we do God a favor when we read the Bible and pray. How blessed can one God be? It's time to stand. It's time to be counted. It's time to know who's your God and who you are in Him and the authority and the anointing that you carry. Because the word Mark 16 says, to those who believe. All I need you to do is believe. Believe that He died and that He rose again. Believe that your sins have been removed as far as from the West. Believe the fact that the very thing that empowers you is his word, is his prayer, it's his worship, it's his fellowship. And I don't know where you guys are this morning. And I don't know what it is that you're journeying. But we've got to get back to the basics. We've got to get back to the word of God. We've got to get back to spending time with him. We've got to get back to the time of spending time in worship and time in fellowship. You see, the problem is this, is that we don't fellowship because we feel like we're attending a meeting. And that has to change. Because it should never feel like you've got an appointment on a Sunday morning. It should never feel like you've got a meeting that you need to attend on a Sunday morning. You should wake up excited because you're going to see family. You're going to be excited because you're going to get to fellowship with your friends. You should be excited because you get to share a word with people. You get excited because you're like, your hands are sick and they will be well. This is the exciting part about coming to church. But if we're going to make church an appointment or a meeting or just something we do on a Sunday, then we may as well stay at home. Most of us don't move from our chair. Most, you know, I, we bumped into some people the other day. Two people, this is a while back. They both were in our church for over eight years. They've never greeted each other. It's not like I got an auditorium from, from Charlene to, to Fiona over there. It's 15 meters. Maybe we should do a sermon series of named Crossing the Room. <laughs> Let's cross the room. Let's just, let just meet someone different every Sunday. And if people are horrible to you, give me the name, I'll kick him out of the church for you, okay? <laughs> Can we stand?
And I've said some things this morning in jest and in seriousness. But I just don't think a Christian walk is as difficult. I just, I really don't think that keeping our fence, our fence powered up should be an obligation. It's got to be something we want to do. And I think we need to get a place where reading the Word of God excites us. We've got to get that place where just spending time in His presence, even if you're just switching off the radio and the TV for an hour, and even if your prayer is only 30 seconds, just sit out the next 50-odd minutes, just being in His presence. Maybe putting on worship music. Just being there and fellowshipping one to another and being there for each other. I think the enemy keeps us so focused on our problems at times that we don't know how we're ever going to win. He makes our finances seem insurmountable. He makes it look like we're unemployable. He makes it look like we're never going to have a pension and we'll never have a medical aid and we're never going to have a family. And he makes it look like that. But I need you to see your life through different lenses this week. You need to see yourself victorious. You need to see the fact that when you're praying for someone, when you're praying for your husband, when you're praying for your wife, when you're praying for your fiancé, when you're praying for a friend, you're not praying from a place of begging. You're praying from a position of proximity. You're close to Him. And if you're close to Him, the Word of God says that whatever you ask in my name, you will receive. And so we don't now start begging, oh Lord, can you please, please, please bring my son to church. Father, can you please, please, Lord, make him... Why not pray from a position of authority? Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, that even for my son, you paid the price. I want to thank you, Jesus, that no weapon formed against him will prosper, no tongue raised against him will stand. I want to thank you, Father, that soon he's going to be standing on the platform declaring your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love. And I thank you, Father, that my prayers have been answered right now. That's very different to, oh, Lord, I know he's not a good boy. He's got some bad habits. Find where you're meeting from. Find out where you're preaching from. Find out where you're praying from. That whatever you're praying for, make sure that you're in proximity to his presence. Because the word of God says, in his presence there is peace and there is joy and there is healing and there is fullness of life and there is salvation and there is deliverance. And sometimes we want God to do things, but we're standing outside of his presence. Come on. We're bigger than this. We're bigger than this. The word of God says in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you because God has anointed you to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the broken heart, to set the captives free. The anointing of God is upon you. The anointing, the power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on you and in you. You've got to get it. You've got to get it. You were paid for at a price. You were paid for at a price to be greater than what you are right now. You were paid for a price to be a better Christian than what you are right now. A better friend, a better mother than you are right now. It's time we stick our pride in our pocket and we get rid of the things in our life that keep us away from the presence of God. The things that hinder us, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, resentment, whatever it might be. How difficult can it be? How difficult can it be? 
I can guarantee you that I can do prayer, fellowship, the word, and worship. Probably 10 minutes in the daytime. Really? Is 10 minutes just too much to give a God that you expect so much from? You see, I asked myself this question the other day. And I had to, to really think about this. But if God had to answer my prayers in accordance with my worship and my word to Him, how much would He give me? Because if I only give 5%, why do I expect Him to give 100%? Not because you don't know what I'm going through. We've all been what you're going through. It's a choice. That's all it is. Either living for him or not living for him. Afrikaans met die sê ons hy woord. Don't be a draad sitter. You know, don't be a draad sitter. Don't, don't be lukewarm. You either for me or not. And we're at the place in the life right now, church, where if you think you can come to church and be holy and live an unholy life during the week and just come back here on Sunday because God loves you, you're not in a good space. Because some, one day there will not be a church that you can come to. One day there will not be a house of God that you can come to. Like in China, Indonesia, those people are meeting in caves. Because there is no church that they can come to anymore. Where do you find yourself in this journey? Are you putting on a jersey that says I'm sold out to Jesus or do we put on the jersey that goes well I'm not really quite sure where I am right now and if you're not sure where you are right now I'd love to pray with you if you don't know whether you're saved or not I'd love to pray with you if you're sick I'd love to pray with you and so Father we come this morning